Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How you doing? Good. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word here at Mosaic. We love books of the Bible, and so we are walking through uh, the book of Galatians, and tonight we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 29, and I believe the scriptures will be up here. Uh, Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, Heirs according to promise. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you that the Vikings could win another game and be with Russell Wilson tomorrow night, helping to beat the bad Bills. And Jesus, we just thank you again for fun and joy and just all your many blessings in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. You can take a seat. When Chris and I first got married, we moved to the wonderful state of Colorado, and we lived out there for about six, seven years. If you don't know much about Colorado, they have mountains there, and everyone loves the mountains in Colorado, and you kind of have different groups of people. You have one people who never go to the mountains ever. They just stay in the lowlands in Denver area, and they just never venture out there. Then you have another group who, in the summertime, They love conquering different 14ers, what the locals call them, different mountains that are 14,000 feet tall. And then there's another group that kind of lives for the wintertime. They're up there every weekend they can, either snowboarding or skiing. And so after we lived there for a little while, I had this desire. I want to become a snowboarder. I had never gone snowboarding before in my life. I had gone skiing a couple times here in Minnesota, and I was like, okay, this is what I want to be, but I need to go skiing in Colorado first. And our church in Colorado for Pastor Appreciation Month did a wonderful job on giving me gift cards so I could go get like new ski jackets and then some gift cards up to some mountains. And it was wonderful. So I, I, they knew I had this desire. I want to become either a snowboarder, because that was way cooler, or at least someone who skis in the mountains, because this just seemed like a really good thing to be. And so my wife convinced me to go up to Copper with her, and we went skiing up there. And I thought, you know, I've gone skiing in Minnesota before. This is no problem. I quickly realized it's very, very different. I don't know if you know this. We don't have mountains in Minnesota. We have ski hills in Minnesota. And so very quickly, uh, as I went head over heels down a mountain, kind of rethinking the choices in my life, I realized, you know what, I'm not going to be a skier or a snowboarder. This is not who I am, as much as I thought I wanted to be. But I think we all go through life, right, thinking we want to be something, 
because we look at other people and it's like, man, I want to identify with that. I want to be that kind of person who's great at skiing or snowboarding or whatever. And then maybe we try it and that's okay. and realize that's not who I am. I remember just being in my 20s and trying to figure out who am I? Am I this kind of person? Am I that kind of person? Just, you know, who am I? And especially wrestling with those issues before becoming a dad. And, and, and maybe like me, you've had times in your life, you're just trying to figure out, like, who am I? What are my values? Well, I believe our world today is facing an unprecedented identity crisis, unlike anything we've really ever seen before. Harvard Law Today, their online um, newspaper published an article in March of this year with the title, The U.S. is in the midst of an identity crisis. The U.S. is in the midst of an identity crisis. Uh, ABC News on July 7th of this year posted an article that said, identity, including race and sexual orientation, gender, have become lightning rod subjects of hundreds of bills in state legislatures across the country as Americans across the political spectrum seek to define the nation's values. I think we're seeing this again and again in the political sphere and just all over the places of who are we as a nation? Just how do we define some of these values and different things? Generation Z in particular, that's those who are between the age of nine years old all the way up to 24, in particular, I think, is facing a major identity crisis. Uh, every time I ask a youth pastor or a Christian leader, hey, what are the key issues facing our youth and young 20 somethings today? The answer is the same it's identity. I've observed this myself. Teens are struggling to know who are they? Am I a theater kid? Am I a jock? Am I smart? Am I not so smart? Just kind of who am I? Do I matter? What determines my identity? What is the purpose of life? You know, it's not just Gen Z. We see this in adults today. I think and there's an explosion of things like gender dysphoria. At the heart, I believe, of the racial issues we're seeing in Palestine against Palestinians, against Israel, uh, Jewish people, and just all this stuff is really identity issues. Do I identify first as a Palestinian, as a Jewish person? You know, here in America, do I identify first as an American or as a follower of Christ? We see this in political tribalism. You know, am I a Republican first and then a Christian? Am I a Democrat first and then a Christian? Or am I a Christian first and then my political party? And what are the results of this? Looking at different articles online, it kind of boils down to this. They're saying, you know, really decreased motivation, increased apathy about school and work or life in general feeling overly anxious about long-term career goals, friendships, and other interpersonal relationships, feeling a lack of belonging among your peers, family, or coworkers, experiencing a sense of hopelessness about the future, depressed, which can include feelings of sadness and changes in your appetite, mood, ability to concentrate, and interest in activities that were once pleasurable. Again, I think we're seeing this in so many places, people trying to figure out who they are, where do they belong, so what's the answer? If you do a quick search you know, on identity crisis, it's not to figure out that the general consensus on how to fix someone, what the world would say. To look inwards, to explore, to go on a journey of self-discovery. Do the things that make you happy. And in turn, just focus on yourself. 
But any objective standard of identity has been torn away and relocated on the shaky, shifting ground of our ever-changing emotions. When we just only look at ourselves and say, just do, do you, you do you, you do whatever makes you happy, then you're at the whim of your own emotions. And growing up in the midst of such uncertainty, is it any wonder that our teens and so many of our adults are questioning who they are? Well, that's the world's answer. What's the Christian answer to this? Well, I've heard numerous sermons and read dozens of articles and listened to countless songs that talk about, you know what, just focus on who God is or who God says we are and encourage us to focus on the truth that, we you know, hey, just focus that you're loved, you're valuable, valuable, you're worthy. I think that's the right desire, but I think, honestly, it starts at the wrong place. See, understanding who we are in Christ is critically important, but beginning with a, a theology of identity with who we are leaves out the most important part of the story, who God is. See, you are loved, but that doesn't leave much of a dent to young teenagers who have love-hungry hearts if they don't understand who it is that loves them. You are chosen, but by who? Why did they choose us? You're redeemed, but those words lacked impact. We don't deeply comprehend what we're redeemed from and the greatness of our Redeemer's heart. Amen? So let's dive into Galatians 3.23. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law, that's the Old Testament, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may be justified by faith. See, before, we were prisoners shut up under the law as a guardian. Now, we are sons being reconciled to God and being made one with one another, as well as with all those throughout history who claim Jesus as their Savior. Now, first of all, real quick, don't get bent out of shape here by the word sons. Some people don't like the ESV because they translate the Greek literally as sons instead of sons and daughters. But you have to understand is that in this culture, women, girls had no value really at all. And, and so Paul, what we're going to see, is one of the first um, ancient writers who actually lifts up women. So when he's saying, now you are all sons, he's talking that in this context, sons had all the value, all the worth. Daughters really had nothing. But he's saying, now, y'all, men and women in the church, you all get to be sons. He's speaking more to the culture, that now you both get value and worth and dignity. Doesn't matter your gender, you are valuable in Christ. Daughters, you are now sons, you are heirs. And he's saying, the law did its purpose to hold us prisoner locked up until Christ could be revealed. He's saying the law was like a jailer keeping us out of trouble until Christ the liberator could come set us free. It's like you know, a teenager or a college student who's partying, getting in trouble, and they need to spend the night in jail. That's a good thing for them. They need to stop what they're doing and not get into more trouble. And Paul's saying that's what the law did. We were out making a mess of things, waiting for our liberator to come. And so the law held us captive 
put some boundaries around us so we could not get into more trouble until true freedom in Christ came. And what are the results? For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So three things real quick we see from here. Number one, become sons of God. This is someone who's been justified by faith in Christ and has passed into a new relationship with God. And Paul says, what's that identification? What's that mark? It's baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's the mark, that symbol, that sign that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Number two, we become one with each other. It's like, well, what do you mean? There's no difference in nationality, status, or gender. No, we don't cease to become who we are. But Paul's saying we belong to each other now. We are one in Christ. We are one family. What used to divide us, they lose their significance because now we are one. And the third thing is we receive a new identity. These old things that we used to identify with, are you, are you Jew or Greek? Are you slave or free? Are you male or female? That doesn't matter anymore. You receive a new identity in Christ. In Christ, you and I are made new. We're not who we were. See, the Bible tells us that you were made new. You are also being made new. It's this language of already but not yet. You've already been made new, but you're not yet completely renewed in Christ. Both are true at the same time. You've been made new through Christ. And Christ is working on you to keep getting rid of the old you and bring to life the new you. The Christian life is becoming that which Christ has declared us to be. So why do we then still feel so insecure about our identity and who we are in Christ? Well, the reason we still feel inadequate and insecure in our identity is because this isn't heaven. <laughs> Can't find your phone? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, this isn't heaven. That's the reason we struggle, uh, and that's because sin and evil have damaged this world. We're not home yet, so in this world, we will have trouble. In this world, we're going to have battles. I think we have a slide here. We can see this, that like pre-Christ, we were living in total defeat. Then we experience salvation through Jesus on the cross, and someday, we will experience total victory. But on those lines, that's where we live here today, here on earth. Somewhere between total defeat and total victory, we, we've received total victory in Christ, but we're still here on earth. We still struggle. We still wrestle with these things. So it's still this battle for our identity, and we're never going to fully overcome it while here on earth. We want you to grow, though, and I hope you're going to have more days of victory than defeat. See, God loves each and every one of you so much. Every person that walks through the doors of this building has a story. We want to help you connect with God and help you connect with others. So you must shape your identity not on who you have been or who you even are right now, but who God is going to make you become. Old Testament prophet Joel says it this way in Joel chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. It says, proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. 
Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. God is saying, you may feel weak, but in me, you are strong. That is who you are. See, your identity is your destiny. How you identify yourself is gonna shape your future. This is why it's so critical to have God speak truth into our lives because how we see ourselves shapes how we live and the destiny that we're gonna walk in. See, here's the beautiful truth we need to remind ourselves. God is outside of time. God doesn't just look at you how you are right now or your past and who you were. See, God sees the you that you will become beyond your last breath. And he loves you. And he is so excited for the journey that you are on. See, God is outside of time. He sees all the journey that you're going to become. And he's like, that's my kid. I love him. So you and I can't have that perspective. We only see who we are right now. We can see where we come from. But God, he sees so much beyond See, God is the God of new identities. This, we see this again and again in the scriptures. For about the last year, we, we, we were in the book of Genesis. And we saw a guy named Abram. That God gives him a new name, Abraham. Abram, he doesn't really do a whole lot. And then 80s and 90s, he gets a new name. You know what his new name is? He's the father of many nations. But can you imagine? I, I think we hear the story so often, we kind of lose sight of how crazy this is. Here's a 90-year-old man with how many kids? Zero. And he changes his name. And now it's like, hi, Rachel, nice to meet you. What's your name? My name is Father of Many Nations. Oh, how many kids do you have? Well, zero. (laughs) Father of Many Nations, you can't even, like, father a town, right? Or even just a little build, nothing, right? But before he even stepped into his destiny, he had that identity. Because God knew who he was. And who he would become. And we looked at the story of Jacob. Jacob's kind of the opposite. Like all the crazy stuff happened when he had the name Jacob. And he does all these wild things. Then he wrestles with God. And God gives him a new name. Israel. You're going to become a new nation. Here's your new identity. And what's his new name mean? He went from deceiver, heel grabber, to one who wrestles with God. I love that even his new name, it shows that, that he hasn't conquered this. He's one who's going to continually wrestle with God. And that encounter with God where he wrestles with him and then Jesus touches his hip and what? He walks the limp the rest of his life. Because when we've been truly touched by God, we don't leave that encounter the same. But now Jacob is Israel and he's got a new identity and a new destiny. I think about in the New Testament, I think about Simon. Simon meets Jesus, and Jesus is like, what's your name? He's like, my name's Simon. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, what do you mean? Right, and he's like, you're gonna be called the rock, right? Like Peter. Like, just, just think about how crazy that is. Like, we, we have a modern day, you know, parallel to this, right? With uh, the actor, the rock, right? What's his real name? Dwayne Johnson. Is anybody afraid of Dwayne Johnson? No. But you say, hey, I'm the rock? Okay, now that's something, right? Imagine that's Peter, right? Before he's Simon, and now it's like every time he's introduced himself, hey, I'm the rock, right? Like that's who Peter is. But because Jesus knew who he was before he stepped into that identity, 
Can you turn me down a little bit back there, Matt? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and make sure you got all the other mics muted, too. There we go. <laughs> Here's the thing. Take, write this down. If you want to have a story to tell, you better make sure you have an identity that changes. If you want to have a story to tell, you better make sure you have an identity that changes. See, nobody likes to watch a movie or a TV show where nobody changes. That's not interesting. But you have an identity that changes. You're allowing Christ to change you and, and, and mold you into the person he wants you to be. That's a story worth telling. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You are a new creation in Christ. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are made new. You are a conqueror. That's what Jesus does with us. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus never had an identity crisis. He knew who he was. He knew his mission. And it just radiated out of him. We cited the book of John, you know, a year or two ago. And how many of those statements? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. Right? He knew who he was. And there is power when you know your identity. On the night when he was betrayed, he's praying with his best friends. And, and, and these soldiers show up. And they ask, and he says, who are you seeking? And he says, they say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. He had such power in who he knew he was, those soldiers fell down. That Jesus knew who he was. His power was in his identity. There's much power when you know who you are. That God wants you to stand in your identity. That I am loved by who? By the God of the universe who loved you so much that he came down to earth and he died for you. That's my identity. I am accepted. I am chosen. I am more than a conqueror. Your identity is your destiny. See, what you and I have to do is destroy all the negative self-talk in our life. God does not want us to have that. We need to stand in alignment of who God says you are. You are free, you are chosen, you are clean, you are accepted, you are a holy priesthood. You are becoming who God says you already are. Own who you are, become the best version of you. When you come to faith in Christ, your whole inner world changes, and you realize, hey, there's a lot of things I need to change in my life. And one day you're going to become that extraordinary version of you. And Jesus is like, I want to help you become that person that I can see that you can be. Now, I want to help you be the best version that God created you to be. So you and I can change the things we do, but only Jesus can change who you are. And once he changes who you are, he's going to start changing the things that you do. This morning, hopefully, uh, at some point, you took off your pajamas and you got here, right? And uh, every day we clothe ourselves physically. But I want to remind you that Jesus also clothes you spiritually, and to remember that every day, so that our identity determines our activity. Our identity determines our activity. See, when there's this major change in our life, you change your clothes, right? When you graduate from college or high school, what do you wear? 
this ridiculous robe thingy with a hat that doesn't stay on your head. And everyone, they see them graduate and they're like, oh, they're wearing that ridiculous outfit because they once were a college student and now they're an unemployed person with massive debt, right? And so their life has changed and you dress up. Let's say you join the military. You walk in with flip-flops and long hair and all that changes. They put you in a uniform. They shave your head. Now you look like someone who's going to walk in a new life. Once you were a civilian, now you're a soldier. That's why you don't see guys running around the battlefield in flip-flops and skinny jeans. Their clothing indicates who they are now. In the same way on your wedding day, like you ladies put on some special gown. It's the beginning of a whole new life journey that's marked with a white dress. You put off the old, you put on the new, you have a whole new identity. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, when you wake up tomorrow, as you clothe yourself physically, remind yourself of how Jesus has clothed you spiritually. As you're getting dressed, remind yourself, hey, I'm not guilty. I'm forgiven in Christ. I'm not hated. I am loved. I am not far off from God. I am brought near. I'm not alienated. I am reconciled. God is not against me. He's for me. God is not angry with me. He loves me. I don't need to pay God back. Jesus already paid all my debts. Amen. And how you behave is going to determine who you become. A new person with new labels walking on new paths. I want to encourage you, again, as you get dressed in the morning, have some morning statements that you just speak over your life. There is power in our words. When you just tell yourself again and again, hey, I am more than a conqueror. I am strong in Christ. I am able because of what Jesus did who lives in me now. Let's get a little bit more practical. Though. What can we do if we're struggling in some of these identity issues? Number one, be honest about your struggle. Be honest with your struggle. See, honesty is freeing. I believe everyone struggles with something. And the sooner you admit it, the sooner you come clean, the sooner you can begin to overcome it. You know, in my past, I was labeled a bull in a china shop, and I heard that so many times. That label followed me for years and years. Before we started Mosaic Church, I met with a professional counselor for a number of sessions who helped me come to terms with some of these labels. And to come honest with just some of these things that have been spoken about me. Hey, Eric, this is true about you. Hey, this is not true about you. Hey, yeah, Eric, you're a leader, but you know what? That's okay. Walk in that. Hey, but here's some things you can work on. I want to encourage you. If you have not seen a counselor, go find someone. Find someone if you're able to. If financially there's no way, come talk to us. We will help uh, pay for a couple sessions for you. There's something so freeing when you meet with someone, in particular, someone who's trained in counseling, who loves Jesus, who can walk you through some of your past trauma. And I just, I highly encourage it. There's some people in this church I know who wrestled with, that, with counseling and didn't want to do it for years and years and years, and they finally did. They're like, why have I waited so long? This is so good. If you can't do that, then have some trusted people in your life that you can open up to and just share. Hey, I'm struggling. This is part of my identity. This is part of, excuse me, my past. Open up. Be honest about where you're struggling. Number two, load up on God's truth. You got to load up every day. I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. This year, my birthday is actually on Thanksgiving. Get food and football and birthday cake. It's going to be wonderful. And you know, a good Thanksgiving meal, right? You load up. 
your plate and it's piled high. It's like, well, that's a good meal. But if that was the only meal you ate all month, that would not be very healthy, right? You got to load up every day. Now, you don't have to treat every day like Thanksgiving, but every day load up on God's truth. I know I've been saying this so much for eight years, but still, so many of you, when I talk to you, it's like, how often have you been in God's word in the last week? The answer is usually not much. I don't say that to shame you, but you got to load up on God's truth every day. If you miss a day, don't miss two. It's like going to the gym. You're working out. Like, if you miss a day, hey, it's fine. Don't miss two. You got to load up on God's truth. Just got to soak in it. And there's so many resources now. You got the free Bible app. It can read you God's word. If you don't like to, to, uh, to read, just listen to it. Let it wash over you. I think there's so much power uh, to sit down and study God's truth, you know, have a good study Bible, but also just to listen to it just, or just read chapters after chapters. And even if you don't get it all, it's okay. Like God's truth is going to get in you. So just listen to the gospels again and again. Listen to Psalms. You want more wisdom. Listen to Proverbs. Just be in God's word. Listen to it in different translations. Read it in different translations. Uh, you know, find one that you really like. If you love the King James Version because of the poeticness, awesome. If you grew up with NIV, great. If you like the ESV because it's a little more literal, that's fine. You know, NLT, whatever it is, we just want you in God's word, just loading up on it every day. I just want this year, when you're loading up your plate on Thanksgiving, be like, oh, that's right. I need to load up on God's truth every day. Like, just that act of like, man, I'm just, I'm just taking this in. This is so good. And then discuss God's truth. Like I love, we have our, our Thursday morning men's Bible study. We have our Saturday morning women's Bible study. We have community groups, lots, lots of opportunities. Discuss God's word with people. Just get it in you. It's, it's, it's one of the best ways. If you're struggling with your identity and just different things, just get in God's word. And then number three, find your blue shirt. Find your blue shirt. Go to Best Buy. No, not that at all. Now, uh, a couple years ago, I heard a story about a guy running Grandma's Marathon. He needed to run the race in less than three and a half hours because he wanted to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And he was doing great. He's a runner uh, until he hit mile 17. And then he's kind of hit this wall. Then he sees this guy in a blue shirt just kind of pass him by. And he thought, all right, I'm just going to keep my eyes on this blue shirt and let him pull me to the finish line. And as he collapsed on the finish line, he looked up and he did it in three hours and 15 minutes. He qualified and he was so excited. And he sees Mr. Blue Shirt and yells at him, hey, Blue Shirt, thank you for carrying me from mile 17 until the end of the race. And the guy looks at him and says, wow, no way. He said, thank you, because you carried me from mile 11 to mile 17. See, we all need someone going to pull us along, right? We need each other. And you know what? We have so many kids back there, and they need some blue shirts. We have teenagers. They need some blue shirts in their life. I'm so thankful for all of you who invest in our little ones, whether it's our babies and preschoolers and just loving them and singing over them and praying for them. For our elementary kids, we have so many kids. For our teenagers, the truth is, it's kind of scary out there. Like, you can easily get overwhelmed. 
when you see the statistics of kids in particular and teenagers struggling with issues of gender and identity and depression and anxiety and being on medication and contemplating ending their lives and all these things. And it can easily feel hopeless. But our hope is in Jesus, amen? And so those of us who've come to the place where we can be like, you know what, Eric, I got some struggles, but I'm pretty confident in who I am in Christ. And you can be that blue shirt for somebody. For a little kid, an elementary kid, a teenager. When I was in my first uh, ministry job right out of college, I, I had a mentor, and he said, you know, teenagers, and I think this really goes from really kids 8 through 25, you know, that, but students are drawn to the nearest adults who will take them seriously, who's not their parent. And I believe that. And if we don't be that influence in that next generation, other people will. And I'm not, I'm not getting political, but there are people that have an agenda for your kids, for our kids, and they want to shape them a certain way. And I don't believe that's of Christ. And so we cannot abdicate our responsibility for the next generation. And if you are struggling, find that blue shirt. We have people in this church, we want to be happy to meet with you, to help you, to coach you, to take your next steps. To find your blue shirt, be a blue shirt to somebody. See, in Christ, you are holy not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ has done. His perfection is your perfection. In Christ, you are blameless. That frees us up to live out the righteousness of Christ and live for the glory of Jesus. So different than religion. I don't want you to be motivated by fear because perfect love casts out fear. I want you to know who you are in Christ so you can begin to live the life that Christ has for you. In Christ, you were chosen for this so you can live a holy and blameless life. Jesus loves you, he died for you, he chose you, and now we get to walk in that identity. God sees who you were born to be, and he's so proud of you, and he's so excited for you to become that person that he sees. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the gospel that we were held prisoners and captives, and at the right time, Jesus came, he died for us, he saved us, he redeemed us, not because of anything we did to deserve it, but simply because of your love for us. And so God, I pray that that would be the foundation we stand on, the truth of the gospel of who Christ is and how we are loved and saved and redeemed and forgiven in him. God, I pray that we'd be honest with our struggles. We'd find some people to, to talk to, to open up with, to share God, that we load up on your truth, we just be immersed in your Bible, and, and, and that your word would shape us, God. Give us a hunger for your word. God, give us a hunger for your spirit to pursue the things of you. God, I pray right now that those who are just craving something deeper and, and, and something more concrete, God, that you would give it to them. 
God, they'd have a fresh encounter with your Holy Spirit. Something brand new this week. God, just a, a, a new, uh, just validation in you, and a new sense of you, God, that you would just become so real in their lives. And God, I pray that we would find that blue shirt that we need or to be that blue shirt, to be that person investing in those behind us, in the kids in our church and the preschoolers and the teenagers and the young adults. God, there's so much around our world that we could be so easily drawn into depression and despair, but God, we know the truth is in you. We know our freedom is in you and that our future is secure. God, as we sing this last song, I pray, God, just for chains to be broken. That if there are those who are just still struggling with who they are, God, they'd just be okay in this in-between season. And at least they would know that they are loved. Loved deeply, deeply by you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.